At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Everywhere we turn, someone is promising to finally give us the satisfaction and happiness we long for. Yet from advertisements to political campaigns, these promises so often remain unfulfilled. We know God makes promises too, but do you ever wonder if He'll actually keep them? Join us for our Christmas series, Fulfilled, as we discover how Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises to us and how the promises He kept then fulfill our deepest longings now. Woodside family. Oh, are they uh, excited people in the house this morning? I know it's cold, but please encourage me. Good morning, Woodside family. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, like um, Pastor Jeff um, um, introduced me, my name is Ugo Yovo, and um, I'm the pastoral resident here. And um, I would like to say a big thank you to um, Pastor Jeff for this um, opportunity he's given to me once again to bring the word this morning. It's not something I take lightly, so um, I take this with every ounce of um, seriousness and um, because it's not a light thing to preach God's word. Yeah, it's been an interesting week for me, and um, as you can hear, I kind of lost my voice, but thank God I found it back, um, back a little. You know, I was thinking of calling Pastor Jeff Saying, uh, Pastor Jeff, uh, I uh, feels like my my throat, like I'm feeling sore throat and all that, you know. But I just heard the Holy Spirit said to me, in season and out of season, you have to preach. And it was interesting seeing Pastor Jeff this morning in his booth, and I was like, truly in season and out of season. So I got no excuse. <laughs> so before any further ado, there are two um, important people in my life that I would like to um, introduce um, you guys to. No, three. One is in the nursery. That's my um, daughter, Eden. And um, the two people I want to introduce to you this morning, um, one you already know, but one I don't think you know. The first one is the woman who um, held me in a womb for nine months. Glory to God. And she's where my life started. And I'm um, coming to the United States in 2014. Up till um, last week, Monday, was the first time I was going to see my mom in eight years. And there she is, and uh, she's somewhere in the congregation. That's my mom right there. Yeah. I got to see her for the first time in eight years last week. So, yeah, it's so glad in my heart. And the second person is where uh, my life is right now and where my life will end. And that is my lovely and beautiful wife, Megan Yovo. I love you, sweetie. You know, I used to joke um, with Peggy. I tell everything that Megan learned, the singing, she learned it from me. <laughs> but I try as much as I can to be humble. So, I, <laughs> yeah. So this morning, without any further ado, um, if you came to church, if you came to church with your Bible, of which I believe you did, um, we're going to be doing something unique this morning. Not anything out of the blue, but just something unique. If you're with your Bible, you can turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. And also, you can put, uh, if you have a bookmark, you can um, also go to the book of um, Jeremiah. We shall be looking at two texts this morning, um, Matthew and Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31. 
and I believe um, we have the scriptures, um, we'll have them projected on the screen. Yeah, and if you don't mind this morning, can you rise with me as we read God's word? Pastor Jeff, you don't have to. <laughs> I don't want him any report when the time I'm leaving that he doesn't care about his pastor. <laughs> so Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 to 22. It says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when error died, let's take note of that, Clause there, when error died. I will come back to it. But when error died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the, to the district of Galilee. Now Jeremiah 31, 15 to 17. Says, Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And your children shall come back to their own country. Let me see it. Have you see it? See, I once heard a preacher said, if you never bump into the devil, it's most likely you're going in the same direction. How true could that be? How true? If you never bump into the devil, it's likely you're traveling in the same direction. In other words, as a child of God, birth with a purpose for the glory of God, as a child of God on a mission for King Jesus and the glory of his kingdom, as a child of God born to be a burning and a shining light in a dark and perverse generation, it's impossible, it's impossible for you to go through this life without the devil putting a bounty on your life. The apostle Peter puts it this way. He said, for your enemy, the devil, like a roaring lion is on the prowl, looking for who to devour. This tells us that we are up against a vicious adversary who's on an all-out um, um, all assault against us and will stop at nothing. Brothers and sisters, this morning, 
I hope, and I would to God, I hope it's no news to you that we are in the battlefield. We are in the spiritual warfare. But I'm not here to be a preacher of doom and gloom, but I'm here to let you know that there is another news, and it's called the good news. Praise God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true king, the true lion, the true lion has fought this battle for us and is won. Through his life, through his death, his resurrection, he whopped the devil and his minions of demons, black and blue, and stripped them of their ability to do us harm. In fact, the apostle Paul puts it this way in Colossians 2.15. He said, having stripped, having disarmed rulers and authorities, he made a public disgrace of them through the cross. Glory to God. So through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus Christ fought this battle for us, and he won it. And he didn't just win it, he gave us the victory. But he didn't just give us the victory, but he gave us a message to take to the whole world about what he's done. Glory to God. And that is why we preach the gospel, that all may come to the knowledge of the truth and no longer be victims and prisoners of the sin, of the evil, and the darkness that has ravaged and that has hold the world sway. And that's why we preach that message of consolation and of hope from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that in him you may find and have that true peace that surpasses every understanding that even when the difficulties, when the winds of trials and difficulties blow at you, you will remain strong and courage because you know that for your sake and for my sake, he has conquered this world so that we may live boldly lives unto him, even as we ride on his wings of love, grace, and glory. And that is why to this morning, the big idea we shall be looking at in our text is this. In Jesus, our mourning turns to hope. Say it with me. In Jesus, say it like you mean it. In Jesus, our mourning turns to hope. In other words, in Jesus, we have that comforting and confident assurance that no matter what the situation may be, no matter how bleak it may be, we can look with confidence and boldness that the goodness and the faithfulness of God will always have the final say. Glory to God. If we look at our text, at this point in the narrative, we see King Herod in his depravity, tried so hard to fight against God. I don't know what he was thinking. The Bible says, doomed to you who make war with your maker. But here we have King Herod trying to fight against God by trying to annihilate, by trying to destroy, to kill the very solution and salvation plan that God has prepared before the foundation of the world to destroy the works of sin and the works of Satan over mankind. But not just that, but also restore man back to the glory and relationship he once had with God. I know it's not stated in the text, but it could be implied. We see, because the Bible says here um, in um, verse 16, that he became furious. 
King Aaron had no check on his emotions. And because he had no check on his emotions, I believe it became the vehicle, it became the agency, it became the tool used by the devil to perpetuate evil in the magnitude like we saw in the text, the killing of those innocent children and causing grief and, and, and sorrow to their parents. What an evil. How King Herod responded. Though we read, we read in the text um, the, about these Aeneas events and we see them playing out as markers of fulfillment um, with respect to God's um, salvation history. But nevertheless, nevertheless, it doesn't absolve King Herod of his actions in response to the news of the birth of Jesus Christ. See, how he responded to the news of the revelation of the long prophesied um, savior of Israel and the world at large determined what role King Herod played in the meta-narrative, in the overarching narrative of God's salvation history. And you see, brothers and sisters, I would like us to understand something this morning. As God's children, as Christians, in our faith walk with God, as we study this text and as we study scripture in general, we need to come to this understanding that the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God doesn't overrule, doesn't override our ability to make choices and live with the consequences of the choices we make. It may not be within our jurisdiction to determine the, the outcomes and the consequences of the choices we make. You know, it may not be within our jurisdiction to determine the, the resonating effect of, the, of how we respond to situations. But nevertheless, nevertheless, God has given us the ability, God has given us the power to choose, to make choices. Praise God. So, you see, your response and my response and our responses to the message of Jesus Christ is a key, is a very key component um, that determines what role you and I get to play in the meta-narrative, in the overarching narrative in God's salvation history. So, we need to reflectively, on a regular basis, ask ourselves this question. How am I daily responding to the message of Jesus Christ? Or perhaps you're here this morning, you're joining us for the first time, or you're joining us online for the first time, and I know probably you've heard the message, the good news of Jesus Christ before, but you are here to respond in faith, in belief in him. Ask yourself the question, what is holding me back? Because you see, whether you are actively embracing or actively rejecting or passively ignoring the message of Jesus Christ in one shape or form or the other, it is impacting how you interpret and respond to situations, be it spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, or physically. Your marriage and your parenting is impacted by it. How you view sex and sexuality is impacted by it. How you lead as a leader is impacted by it. How you view your body is impacted by it. How you engage in the cultural war of today is impacted by it. 
how you choose who to marry as a single is impacted by it. How you relate with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is impacted by it. And how you respond to difficult times and trying days of which each and every one of us are going to come face to face one day. How you respond to the message of Jesus Christ is impacted by it. And that is why the message of the good news of Jesus Christ is most pertinent when it comes to addressing the issue of evil in our world today. You see, whether you and I are going to be instruments of righteousness um, and advancing and propagating the, the, the ideals and the, and the philosophy of the kingdom of God and actively partnering with God and addressing the, um, the problem of, each, of evil in our world today, it's important. Or whether you're going to be uh, an instrument of unrighteousness, um, joining forces together with the devil and perpetuating dark works like we saw King Herod do and causing grief and sorrow to people. You see, all that, whatever side of the spectrum you're going to be, is hinged wholly and integrally upon how you and I respond to the message of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul Encouraging the church in Ephesus, the the church in Ephesus has come to embrace the good news of Jesus Christ. And in his letter to them, encouraging them by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said in um, Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, he said, look now carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. He says, making best use of the time because the days are evil. He says, do not be foolish, therefore, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do it. If we look at the text this morning, King Herod acted foolishly. He was unwise. He became an, an accomplice with the devil and, and perpetuated evil like we saw in the text. He fought against God. He let evil prevail in his reign as a leader. Brothers and sisters, this morning, my prayer for us is, by the grace of God that is at work in our lives, that we will always daily present ourselves as instruments of righteousness and bearing fruits unto righteousness and bringing honor to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This brings us to um, our second movement. Sorry, I missed the first one. The first one is the, the reality of evil. That's the one I just spoke about. Yeah, the second one, um, the second movement, because we're considering four movements for how to move from mourning to hope. So the first one is the reality of evil. Now the second one is the role of lament. The role of lament, and that is, uh, we're looking at verse 17. Verse 17 of uh, Matthew chapter 2. Since then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Matthew, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saw this evil event as the climax of a prophecy spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. 
Now, Jeremiah prophesied um, hundreds of years ago before Jesus was born and while the children of Israel were exiles in the land of Babylon. They were cut off from their land due to their disobedience and their idolatrous way. And the Lord has already warned them about it. Now, if you read Jeremiah chapter 2, we may not have time to look into it. You will see the Lord's charge against Israel. They were cut off from the land due to their disobedience and idolatrous ways. And you see, in those days when a stronger empire, a stronger nation, or a stronger tribe um, invades another tribe, another nation, uh, another empire, what they do is they kill the men. They kill the men and the young male children, or otherwise they um, look for the smart and good-looking ones and keep them to serve the empire. I remember the case of Daniel, Meshach, and Abednego. That was their case. They were smart. They were good looking. And they kept them. They preserved them. They didn't kill them, but they preserved them so that they could serve the, um, the um, Babylonian empire. And now that Israel was invaded, something similar must have happened, provoking bitter grief from the Hebrew women as their loved ones, especially their husbands and male children, have been violently cut off from them. Now, juxtaposing both events, that is, uh, ex- the children of Israel being exiled to Babylon, and um, what Herod did, the killing of those innocent children. Now, Matthew brought those two um, events together, and he subjected them to, um, to the prophecy in God's calendar that points to what, to the events that's going to happen that, we, um, that the children of Israel will be able to recognize the long prophesied Messiah. So juxtaposing both um, events, um, Matthew, we see Matthew making the argument that based on this, based on what Herod did, that what Herod did was the culmination of Jeremiah's prophecy, hence making his case that Jesus was the Messiah that the Jews were to expect. Glory to God. But we know Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ lived. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ resurrected. And he ascended to heaven. So what is the the kicker in all of this for us living today? You know, I want to believe to a large extent that um, a lot of us here this morning have made that decision and believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, is the Lord and Savior of our lives. And if you haven't done it, I would like to say something to you that one of my favorite... um, character in one of my favorite movies of all time, Maximus, in the movie Gladiator. Now, I can't remember the scene, but I knew he was trying to encourage his, his men. They were about to go fight. I don't know. But it said something worthy of note. He told the men that what you do today will echo in eternity. So if you are going to make that decision today, if you're going to respond to that deci- uh, uh, um, to the call of the message of Jesus Christ this morning, my brothers and sisters. If you're here and you've not done that, what you do today will echo in eternity. Now back to our discussion. What is the kicker in all of this? What is the kicker in all of this? Uh, I 
think the question becomes, what is your disposition? What is your attitude? What do you feel on the inside of you when you see, when you feel, and when you perceive evil? Do you feel a, a, a righteous indignation within you? Do you feel inconsolable in the face of evil? Do you weep and mourn in the face of evil? Are you led um, on your knees to stand in the gap with requests, with supplications and prayer before God? The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Is it that in our day, we've learned to adapt to evil? Is it that in our time and day, we've learned to be advocates for evil? Is it that in our time and day, we've learned to stand in solidarity with evil? Let's don't forget the reason why when we got saved and God didn't take us up in heaven, it's not that God left us here so that we can tolerate evil. No, the reason why God left you and I here and didn't take us up to heaven immediately we got saved is because he wants you and I to raise that standard against sin and the works of the devil by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus to the glory of his name. That is why you and I are left here, brothers and sisters. It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Brothers and sisters, this morning, let lament, let our heart contrition brings us to that place where what breaks our hearts be those things that breaks God's heart. You know, they say evil persists because good people do nothing. But I say evil persists because you and I, Christians, we think it's God's responsibility to do something about it. Think about it. Have you ever at a point in time reflectively asked yourself the question, what is the purpose of Christ in me? If the Holy Spirit who in his fullness indwelt Jesus Christ and raised him up from the dead, if that same Holy Spirit in his fullness dwells in you, have you asked yourself to what end is it? To what end is the dwelling of the Holy Spirit in you? You know, I know a lot of times we pray, oh God, we need a revival in our city. We pray God send down revival. But I've got good news for you. The day God laid hold of you and he, put, and he put his Holy Spirit on you, you became the revival that God wants to send into the world. You became that fire that God wants to use 
to turn Metro Detroit upside down for his glory. Stop praying for a reviver. You be the reviver that you want the world to see. You be the reviver in your neighborhood. You be the reviver in your family. You be the reviver in your place of work. Stop praying for a reviver. You be the reviver. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Go into the world and burn for God. And this brings us to our third movement, the emergence of hope. The emergence of hope. And that would be, um, we'll be, shall be looking at verse 19 of our text to 20. And also we'll be going to Jeremiah 31, 16 to 17. Now while we're reading, I said we should take note of the subordinate clause in verse 19. But when Herod died, you may ask Why should we take note of that? Why is it important that we take note of that? Well, thank God you ask. The reason why it's important we take note of the clause when error died is because it establishes and communicates an important truth that God wants you and I to take note of, which is this. That when the wicked sprout like grass and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forever. Evil can never have the final say. Also for the fact that Jesus Christ, the eternal living word, and our living hope had stepped in the scene of history of time to destroy the works of sin and Satan, abolish death and brought life and immortality to light through the message of his grace, evil will never have the final say, but will always bow before good. Herod died, but Jesus lived. And you and I are the living proof that he lives today. In Jeremiah, we see in verse 30, in Jeremiah 31, verse 16, we see the Lord responding in grace to the cry of the people, especially the women. Because like the psalmist says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Psalm 51, verse 7. In the humility of their brokenness, the message of hope emerged that encouraged and strengthened their souls to look forward with confidence to the goodness of God, having the final say, even in the bleakest moments of their lives. Now in our text in Matthew, there's something, there's something interesting in that text that foreshadowed a pivotal role that you and I eventually get to play as ambassadors of this good news of hope embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, just as Joseph responded in faith, left Egypt and took Jesus, God's salvation and message of hope and goodwill to all men, just as Joseph took Jesus back to Israel, that the hopeless may find hope again, that the rejected and downtrodden may find new meaning to life again, that the victims of sin and the devil may become victors and overcomers in life again, that the lost and sin may be found in grace again, that those under the yoke and burden of the law may find rest and peace for their souls again, that those held bound in darkness may become established in the kingdom of light. Brothers and sisters, just like Joseph left Egypt, it's high time we left Egypt. It's high time we leave the place of our comfort. It's high time we leave the place of our safety. It's 
high time we leave the place of our security. It's high time we leave the place where we're at ease uh, and take the message of hope embodied in Jesus Christ uh, to the inner cities, uh, to the marketplace, uh, to our schools, uh, to our government and institutions, uh, to our hospitals, uh, to Hollywood, oh, sorry, I meant Hollywood, uh, to our homes. Uh, even our churches need this message today. Because many are becoming hopeless in Christ. In our churches today, many are becoming hopeless and calling it quits on God. It's the height of hopelessness when pastors are committing suicide. It's the height of hopelessness when God's children are pulling the plug on themselves. We need this message of hope as well in our church. Just as Joseph was called to take Jesus back to Israel... We are called with a holy calling to take Jesus back into the world and make disciples of the nation because he is a never disappointing hope. The nations of the world are seeking today even though they don't realize it. A lot of us have put our hopes in the Republican Party and are disappointed. A lot of us have put our hopes in the Democrat Party and are disappointed. A lot of us have put our hopes in our 401ks and are disappointed. A lot of us have put our hopes in our education and are disappointed. A lot of us have put our hopes in our education and are disappointed. A lot of us have put our hopes in our money, in our businesses, in our doctors, in our kids, in our spouses, in our pastors, in our friends and family and are disappointed. But brothers and sisters, I remember an old English hymn that says, He is not a disappointment. Jesus is far to me than all my glowing daydreams I had fancied it could be. And the more I get to know him, the more I find him true. And the more I long that others should, let, should be led to know him too. He is not a disappointment. He has saved my soul from sin. All the guilt and all the anguish which oppressed my heart within, he has banished by his presence. And his blessed kiss has I assured my heart forever that his love will never cease. Brothers and sisters, we are most privileged on earth to be called to be bearers of this message of hope in Christ Jesus. And this brings us to our final movement. Sorry, Brother Ryan, for keeping you waiting. <laughs> in um, verse um, 21 to 22 in Jeremiah 17, you can put that up, thank you. You see, the attitude of Joseph's urgency of response and the response of urgency to God's message to take Jesus back to Israel ought to be the same attitude you and I need to have taking the good news of Jesus to the lost and hopeless who are under the power and sway of sin and Satan in our world today. Knowing confidently that all the powers of hell, infused and incensed together, can't stop notwithstanding the power of this good news. You know, church, from the birth, from the birth of the church to this day, many an enemy of Christ and his church have done everything to do us harm. One by one, they've come. They've tried. They've died and gone to their damnation. If you look at verse 20 of our, of our verse, it says, For those who are seeking the child's life are dead, but the church is still alive and moving on, prevailing in every place, even as the message is gaining grounds all over the world. Though there are some who are still hostile to the church today, but just like their predecessors, they stand no chance against us, for God is on our side. This is not the time for us to rest on our horse. We've got to get this message out there against all odds. We don't expect the devil to not put up a fight, 
But greater, like the scripture says, greater is he that is in us than the devil and all the minions of demons put together. Brothers and sisters, with boldness and confidence, let's return Jesus back to, the, to our schools. Let's return Jesus back to our governments and institutions. Let's return Jesus back to our music. Let's return Jesus back to our homes. Let's return Jesus back to our marriages. Let's return Jesus back to his church. There are many churches where Jesus has been kicked out because we want to cozy up with the world and don't want the world to be offended. But we forget the Bible says Jesus himself is a rock of offense. We should be bringing the world up to the standard of Christ and not bringing Christ to the standard of the world. Brothers and sisters, cutesy time is over. For it is written, but God's, no, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. It either will proclaim him Lord of all or is Lord of none. There is no middle ground. Jesus didn't come to coexist. He came to take over. He is the Lord Yahweh. He was not crowned king. He was not elected king. He was not made king. He was born king. He is the one who was and is to come. The lion who sits upon the throne. And to him every knee shall bow and every tongue in heaven on earth and in hell shall declare his Lord to the glory of the Father. And brothers and sisters, he promised he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. The Bible says with the shout of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, he will descend from heaven and every eye shall behold him. And for those of us who have this hope living in our hearts, whether living or sleeping, shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and will always be with the Lord. What a hope. What a glorious day it would be when we see Jesus face to face and sing that song of victory. But until then, until then, brothers and sisters, We've got a mission to accomplish for the king, for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Luke 19:13, he said, occupy till I come. Be invested in this mission until I come. Take charge, take control, be the revival until I come. And just like God could count on Joseph, he could count on you and me too. That is why in Christ, he made us the light of the world. He gave us the Holy Spirit that we may have both the power and boldness to be witnesses of this message of hope in Christ for the world. Perhaps you're here today as Ryan and the team come. <laughs> Perhaps you're here today and you've lost every sense of hope. Probably due to a loss you've experienced in your life. Or you have no sense of hope because you're living without Christ Jesus in your life. Maybe you have lost hope because you've received a bad report from the doctor or that that child of yours has gone wayward with no sign of ever changing. Whatever the situation is today, I have good news for you. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus Christ, our living hope, is here to fill you with that hope that never disappoints through the Holy Spirit. And as Ryan and the team begin to play, brothers and sisters, I'll be standing here. I'll be standing here to join faith with you. To join faith with you. Not to ask God to do something for you, but to appropriate what God in Christ Jesus has fulfilled. The Bible says, 
For in Jesus Christ, all of God's promises are fulfilled. A yes and amen. Salvation is fulfilled. Healing is fulfilled. Whatever it is, the situation may be. This morning, I'll be standing here. I would have loved to call Pastor Jeff, but I want to respect him. But is there anyone in the prayer team this morning? Come join me here. Come on. We'll be standing here to join you in faith, to pray with you. To pray with you that our hope may be restored, that faith may be restored, that your heart may be encouraged. As Brother Ryan leads us in song, we'll be waiting here. We'll be waiting here. We want to pray with you. We want to join you in faith and hope and love. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.